Thanks for watching today at wildwoodchurch.com. Now here's today's message. All right, good morning, Wildwood. What an exciting day this morning to be able to witness baptism, welcome people into membership, and then also at the end of our service this morning to be able to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Turn your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 6. Excuse me, Romans 6, verses 12 through 14. Remember last week's passage, Paul reminded us that just as Jesus died and we were united with, with Jesus, that we died, and just as Jesus raised up from the dead, that we have been raised to new life, that we ought to remind ourselves, remember I, I said, repeat it until you believe it, remind ourselves, remind ourselves, remind ourselves, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I am dead to sin, I am alive to God. I am dead to sin, I am alive to God. How many of you this week reminded yourself over and over that you are alive to God and dead to sin, or dead to sin and alive to God, amen. Amen. I think that's one of those things that, that you could write down, put it on, on a sticky, put it on your mirror, put it in your car, put it everywhere you, you can. Repeat it until you believe it, right? When you're feeling tempted, re remind yourself, I have died to sin, I am alive to God. So let me live that way. And this morning, Paul is going to flesh out that a little bit. We're going to unpack that a little bit. How do we practically live in light of who we are? in these two verses, and he talks about, he uses this word that's translated three different ways. Instruments, weapons, tools. Instruments, weapons, tools. The ESV calls it instruments. Uh, a lot of scholars see the military imagery here. Uh, it, it's translated weapons in, in many translations. And the idea is that, that the members of our body are like tools or instruments or weapons that can be used for their proper purpose or their improper purpose. So for demonstration here this morning, I've got a big block of wood, and in that block of wood has a nail and a screw. Now, I have a tool that I love. It is my rigid impact driver. <laughs> All right, and it's well-worn, and this, this uh, tool works well, and it does its... Oh, isn't that power? Don't you feel the power, right? It does its job well on the screw, okay? And, and uh, well, that's not going to work on the, aha, here we go. No, don't do that. That's, that's an improper use of this tool, right? So it's a proper use of the tool here, right? Yes? Proper. That's what it was designed to do. And it's effective. It works. It's right. But if I, this is a... Improper, it's an expensive hammer. It's an improper use of the tool. Now, be honest with you, with me. Have you ever used the battery to drive in a nail? I have. <laughs> I, I sure have. Look, when it's the only tool you have, now I'm talking about, you know, one of those little thin little pennies, uh, 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 nails in a sheetrock, you know, to hang, hang something, you know. I'm not going to drive it in this. So what do I need here to drive this nail? I need the proper tool, right? And here we go, right here. I need a hammer. That's right, George. I need a hammer. See? Watch this. There we go. Now put my thumb here right by it. No, I'm just kidding. Right? So, so these are our tools to be used 
in their proper way. When they're used properly, when they're used for righteousness sake. So this, this is a righteous or a right use of this tool. This would be an unrighteous use of this tool. And of course, obviously, I could go this way, right? And the screw, and that would not do anything as well. That would be an unrighteous use of the hammer, but this, that's a righteous use of that tool. In the same way, the members of our bodies can be used as tools or weapons for righteousness or for unrighteousness. And Paul's exhortation in this passage is use the members of your body not for works of wickedness, not for works of righteousness, not for sin, but rather for righteousness. So let's read here in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. And then we'll pray and then we'll jump into it verse by verse. Paul says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, the privilege to gather together as your body, to sing praise to you, to worship you, the Holy King. Uh, you alone are God, and you alone are righteous, and you alone deserve our praise. And Father, I pray that you help us to continue in worship as we read your word, study your word, and apply your word. Help us to submit to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. So let not sin reign in your mortal body. That's the command. Continually reminding yourself that you have died to sin, you've been set free from sin, continually reminding yourself, repeat it until you believe it. Now, continually resist the sinful impulses of your body so that sin no longer reigns in you. Implied here is that at one point in your life, Christian, sin did reign in your life. It's a, it's a normal reality. This in our lost nature, in our lost self, before Christ, sin did reign in our bodies. Sin dominates the life of a person before Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. But that changes at our spiritual rebirth. At our conversion, something happens to us. This is a this baptism that we watch, these baptisms, that's a symbol of, of something that changed. We were buried with Christ, the old self went down, and something new came up. There's a new reality that exists in the life of a believer. When the Holy Spirit makes you alive together with Christ, you are released, watch, you are released from the tyranny of the reign of sin. When the Holy Spirit gives life to your dead heart, you are released from sin's reign in your body. However, what is implied in this statement is that sin is still a wrestle, amen? Isn't that your experience? 
You are released from the tyranny of the reign of sin, but sin is still a wrestle. Now, I know that Paul is speaking to Christians. I know that sin is a wrestle for Christians. Paul is speaking to people. If, if, if Paul had in mind non-believers, then what would be the point of saying, let not sin reign in, in your mortal bodies? Because that would be, point, that would be pointless. That's all that a non-believer can do is allow sin to reign. So he's not talking to non-believers. And if it wasn't a wrestle for us as Christians, then why would he say it? Why would he give the command? Sin is a wrestle for believers. I think that this is important because a lot of people, including I was reading in R.C. Sproul's commentary, he, he relayed that recently, I mean, he passed recently, but even recent in his life, that he would wrestle with his own salvation and, and he would hear the enemy lying saying, well, R.C., if you're a Christian, then why do you keep sinning? And he would run to his Bible and read the gospel and he remind himself that all that he offers to Jesus is his own unrighteousness. And what he gets from Jesus is Jesus' righteousness. And that's why we can never go far from this justification that's why we have to get it. That's why we have to drive it into our heads that it is not our righteousness that saves us, but Jesus' righteousness. Sin remains a struggle in the life of a born-again believer. That's why Paul says, let not sin reign. If sin is reigning in your life, so you've been released from the reign of sin, you've been unshackled from sin, but if sin is reigning in your life, if it's dominating you, it's because you're allowing it to, right? So there is a wrestle for us, but we have to make a decision. Let not sin reign. Matthew Henry reminds us of an essential truth. You wrestle with an enemy that may be dealt with and subdued. It is an enemy that is already foiled and baffled. The reality is that we fight against a defeated enemy. Remember I said a couple weeks ago that we fight from a place of victory. Ours, our, the victory is already ours. We fight from victory, not for victory. We fight from victory, not for victory. The enemy is already defeated. The, the reign of sin in my body and in your body, Christian, is already defeated. Now, don't let it reign. Don't let it reign in your body. The mortal body, Paul uses that term, the mortal body. The mortal body is a broken, carnal, fleshly body. It has carnal impulses. And your whole life, up from, from the moment of birth until your conversion, you trained yourself to respond to the fleshly impulses of your body. Whatever your bodily impulses were, you, sub, you, you satisfied that. You trained yourself to give in to the impulses of your body. You find a way to do what you want to do. You wanna sleep in, you hit the snooze button. You want to indulge, you get yourself another helping. You, wanna, you want to, to watch explicit content, you click. You find a way to do what your body wants to do. That's your natural instinct. Sin reigns in your mortal bodies before Christ. And Paul's exhortation 
Christian, based on who you are, is now make up your mind that your body isn't in control anymore. Your body is no longer in control. Your mortal body, your fleshly, your carnal self, the impulses, the natural things that you want to do, those no longer control you. This is one of the reasons that we fast. When we fast from food, we are denying our fleshly, carnal impulses. You see, what, what, for most of us living in the world that we do, with, with our means and, and all the access we, that we have, if we feel an impulse to eat, what do we do? We eat. We feed our body. We want to observe something beautiful, we can find it. We want to we be lazy, many of us can do that. But when we fast, we say no to our body. Those impulses that say, feed me, our spirit rises up and says, no, I'm going to pray. When you're fasting, if you're not praying, you're probably shooting yourself in the foot. When you're fasting from food, you're feeling that bodily impulse, your, your, your mortal body is saying, do something, and your spirit says, no, body, you are not in control of me any longer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to operate in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might. Amen? That's why we fast. It's spiritual fitness. I'll say it again. Fasting is spiritual fitness. Just like the other disciplines, reading and praying, waking up earlier. Watch this. Not hitting the snooze button. Not watching an extra episode at night so that you can wake up and read and pray. That is spiritual fitness. Many of us are spiritually weak. We cannot say no to the fleshly impulses because we've trained ourselves to say yes to the flesh and we've not engaged the spiritual muscle. We've not endured spiritual disciplines. Paul tells us, let not sin reign in your mortal body. Our goal is that we no longer obey the passions of our body. That's what sin wants us to do. That's what sin wants to make us to do. Obey the passions of our sin nature. But we don't want to be controlled by our sin nature anymore. Amen? Who no longer wants to be controlled by their sin nature? There we go. No longer controlled by our sin nature. No longer obeying the passions of our body. Paul is telling us because of who we are in Christ, we have to go to war with our flesh. John Piper talks about pornography and he goes, he goes I, see, I hear so many Christians murmuring about their imperfections and their failings and their insecurities. And I see so little war. Make war, he says. So many Christians are, are they're, they're unsatisfied with their spiritual life. Why do I keep doing these things? Why do I keep responding the way I normally respond? Murmur, murmur, murmur. Make war. Go to war with your flesh. Paul is telling us that because of who we are, we have to not let. So when, when he says, let not sin, that's the same as saying, do not let sin or stop sin from reigning. Do you see it? 
This is active. It means you must go to war. Stop sin from reigning in your life. The reign is over. So you must now involve yourself and stop letting sin reign in your life. To reign is to exert control and power. It's to be kingly. Right? That when, we, when we talk about something reigning, we're talking about a king reigns. A power reigns. Right? So, so here we have this power source called sin. And before Christ, it reigned over you. It exerted control over you. And to overthrow a power, this is, what, this is what we are to do in our spiritual life. To overthrow a power requires violence. The spiritual life is violent. Make war against your flesh. Say no to your flesh. You want to talk about violence, you tell a two-year-old no. And you see violence, the thrashing, Right? If that two-year-old was a 300-pound man, there would be fear in your life. Right? But that, and that is much like the two-year-old toddler. Our flesh responds when we say no. And so often we're like that passive mom or dad that doesn't want to rock the boat. And we say, well, it's so hard to say no to my flesh. It's so hard to deny myself. It takes so much effort to be consistent in denying myself. But Paul tells us to make war with the flesh. There's violence here. Paul says that we, he used the word obey. This is what sin wants to do. Sin reigned in your body to make you, listen to this, listen to the, to the evil of, of the sin nature, to make you obey its passions. Do you like the flesh? Your flesh and your sin nature is mean to you. It makes you obey its passions, right? It's reigning over you. Go to war with it. Say no to it. It's submitted you. I don't like to be submitted. Andrew, you're a wrestler. You probably didn't like to be submitted either, right? You did everything within your power to submit the other guy, right? Sin submitted you. Sin made you do something to obey its passions. Look at what Paul tells us before Christ, the reality of our lives here, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So who is that applying to? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 applied to me and applied to you before Christ. That's who you were. You were following the passions of the flesh, and the passions of the flesh were being fueled by the prince of the power of the air. You're following the prince of the power of the air who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And who is that? Satan. So you can only follow one of two people. Satan or Jesus. There's no neutrality. 
Before Christ, you were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's the devil himself. And you were, you were living in the passions of your flesh. But now that you've been set free, we are commanded to no longer obey the passions of the flesh. Could, is it possible for us outside of Christ to just determine, you know what, I'm tired of being dead in sin, I'm tired of, of following the passions of my flesh, I'm tired of following the prince of the power of the air, and so I'm just gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps and get right. No, it's not even possible. You were enslaved to sin, Paul says. But now you've been set free. And so now that you have been set free, justification, you've been declared right, you've been given Jesus righteousness, you've been given new life in Christ. Now that that has happened, stop living as if you're enslaved. Stop living in your former manner of life. Christian, this is where human effort meets with God's power. This is where human effort meets with God's power. R.C. Sproul says, now we have the responsibility to cooperate with the grace that God makes available to us. What is our responsibility? To cooperate with the grace that God makes available. What kind of grace? The grace that says, my grace is sufficient for you. The grace that says, whenever you're tempted, God makes a way of escape. The, the type of grace that says, I'm going to behold the things that are beautiful, the things that are right, the things that are lovely. I'm going to appreciate those. I'm going to dwell on those things rather than all that smutty stuff that I used to. Now that you are free, live free. Right? Stop living enslaved. It's like Jesus took the shackles off your feet and you keep going and put them back on. Stop it. It's really good advice, isn't it? It's my favorite counseling advice. Stop it. <laughs> Brian, I'm doing some stupid stuff. Stop it. It's wrecking my life. Stop it. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm much more sympathetic and empathetic. I, I, trust me, I really am. I promise. All right, verse 13, Paul unpacks this a little bit more. He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. We are physical and spiritual creatures. We have a unified body and spirit. When you're born again by the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual life. You are made alive together with Christ. And this spiritual life inhabits a mortal body. My body did not change when I was born again. My spirit did. The fleshly impulses of my body did not change, but my spirit did. And the material body, the mortal body, has members and members have impulses. And when we sin, we use members of our body to sin. But praise the Lord that in Christ, we, our spirit, can overcome the impulses of the body. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in Christ, that your spirit can say no to the impulses of the body? Amen. Amen. Paul exhorts us, do not present your members to sin. In other words, don't use your body as instruments for unrighteousness, right? Don't use your body parts to do things that ought not to be done or in ways or in times 
or in situations that they should not be done. Now the word present here is in the present tense. He says, do not keep presenting, right? Don't keep hammering a screw. Don't keep presenting your body parts to sin, to unrighteousness. That's how we used to live. We kept using our body parts to sin. Now, most scholars, like I said here, see the military imagery, and the ESV translates this instruments, but this same word is translated in other Pauline letters as weapons. And maybe your translation, if you're not looking at the ESV, maybe your translation translates this weapons. And, and, I, and this is what I think of here with this word. I think of weapons, and I think of the military pass and review. Have you ever been part of a pass and review or seen it? You may have seen it from the TV or may have been part of one, but this is where a military formation marches in front of the commanding officer. Commanding officer is standing here and the military formation marches in front and marches by and, and when they're a few paces out, they give the command, present arms. And what we see here is a presentation of the weapons, the, whatever weapons you're carrying are either lowered or turned to the front. You are literally showing the commanding officer, this weapon is ready to be used by you. This weapon is at your disposal. I, as a soldier with my weapon, am ready to go to war with you, to do what you want with me. That's what it means, pass in review. You are passing in front, you're presenting your arms before the commanding officer. And here's this imagery. Paul says, stop presenting your members of your body to sin, saying, use me. Do what you want with me. Do it here in my hands. Sin, what would you have me touch? Here are my eyes. Sin, what would you have me view? Here are my feet. Sin, where would you have me to go? And I'll leave it at that. Stop presenting your body parts to sin to do what sin wants you to do. You have this picture here. Hey, my tongue is ready. Sin, here's my tongue. How can I, how can I lash someone verbally? Sin, my tongue is, is ready for you. Do with it what you want. My hands, my feet, my eyes. Paul continues, but present yourselves to God and your members to God as instruments for, unrighte for righteousness. Now there's something interesting in this verse here. The same word present is used with a different tense. And this is important. Before it was in the present tense, stop continually or don't keep presenting. In this one, it's the aorist tense. That is a completed action. So the stop continually presenting the members of your body to sin and instead make a decisive action, a completed action determined today that you're going to present yourself to God. 
and don't go back to it. Make a decisive determination. Grow a backbone. Draw a line in the sand. Today, Joshua boldly told the people of Israel as they were about to take as they, as they were about to con- conclude and, and move into Canaan and to establish themselves and, and, and now they're there and it's all about to be finished and, and they're about to live their life in Canaan. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day. I, I'm, this is Pastor Brian looking out to this congregation saying, choose today. Decide today that you're going to stop continuing to present your members to the sin for works of unrighteousness. And you're going to decide today that you're going to give yourself, present yourself to God instead. Make a choice today. Decide something today. Do something today. So often I think that we we leave church feeling warm and fuzzy. Be decisive Choose today to present yourself to God and the members of your body as weapons for righteousness. Paul said in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Notice the imagery here. To present something is to lay it down, right? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Where, where do you put a sacrifice? Or where did they put a sacrifice? On the altar. It was laid down. And, and then what? Do you keep your hands on it and say, psych, just kidding. I didn't mean that. No, you put the sacrifice on the altar and you step away. And you say, Lord, use it for your glory. Use it for your will. Your will be done in my life. And look, it's a living sacrifice. Praise the Lord, right? It's a living sacrifice. So we lay our bodies down to the Lord and we say, Lord, here we are. Use us. All of my, all of my body, all the members of my body is used. Lord, is devoted, is presented to you and to your purposes. Notice that our bodies can be used as weapons or instruments for unrighteousness or for righteousness. The choice is ours. The choice is yours. How you use your tongue to tear up, I mean to tear down or build up, that's your choice. Where your feet take you, what your eyes look at, what your hands handle, it's up to you. That's, the choice is yours. You've been set free. When you sin, it's because you want to sin. When you sin, it's because you choose to sin. You let sin reign. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, Paul says, but present yourselves to God. When he says, present your instruments, or as I prefer, weapons for righteousness, he's not describing their their quality. It's not that this is a hand of righteousness, but rather this hand is to be used for righteousness. This hammer has one purpose. I mean, you could probably make it into a, I don't know, lots of things, but its truest purpose is for 
hammering nails. That, that is his purpose. So just so your hands, your eyes, your mouth, your feet, your body has a purpose, a purpose of righteousness. You can also use it for unrighteousness. It's your choice. Your mouths, your ears. Paul says to use them as weapons for righteousness to achieve what is pleasing to God. We can use our mind for good or for evil. The same brain that lusts and covets and conspires can be used to glory in true beauty, to be grateful for what you have, and to strategize for kingdom growth. The same hands that kill and mutilate and wound can also heal and restore and bind up. The same tongue that gossips and slanders and maligns can also praise and encourage and defend and proclaim the gospel. The feet that can lead you to the adulterer's house or the liquor store or the department store one too many times. Amen or ouch. But the feet that can lead you to these places can also take the gospel to the nations, can carry someone's burden, and can run to the aid of the defenseless. The point is that you have been given a body. You are a spirit that has been given a body, and that body is how you carry out your purpose in this world. And you can choose to use your body for evil or for righteousness. In Christ, that choice is yours. And every single day you must choose, and every moment of every day you must choose to present yourselves to God. Because you have died with Christ, you have been set free from sin, and now you have a choice to use the members of your body to achieve what he wants for you or what you want for you. Paul also says here, I want you to notice that between these two imperatives, in verse 13, there's an indicative. Between the two commands uh, 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 of present yourselves to God and, and your members to God as right, instruments of righteousness, there's something in between there. There's something that is sandwiched there and it is identity. We, we will never go far from identity in Christ. Something essential has changed in the believer. Look at what Paul says. For we are those who have been what? brought from death to life. That's who we are. That is who we are in Christ. We have been brought from death to life. That is essential. Our dead hearts were quickened. We were made alive. We were given a new nature. And because of this, Paul can say with confidence in verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Paul has said before that you reign in life. You reign in life. Sin does not reign in your body, but rather you reign in life. Why? Because you've received the abundance of God's grace and the gift of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Death and sin and the law no longer have control over you. They no longer dominate you. Matthew Henry once again said, we are not under the covenant of works which requires brick and gives no straw. 
but under the covenant of grace, which accepts sincerity as the gospel perfection, which requires nothing but what it promises strength to perform. The law says do this, but gives no power to do this. Grace says here is this, now live in light of this. I will give you strength to do what I've asked you to do. That is grace. And we live under grace, no longer under the law. And so sin no longer reigns in your body and the law no no longer reigns over your head, but you are under grace. And so live life, reign in life. I don't know about you, but I desire to be a man after God's own heart. And part of that means that on a regular basis, I present the members of my body to the Lord. I say, Lord, here are my hands. Let me handle only what you would have me to handle. And handle the things that you want me to handle the way you want me to handle, namely the word of God. Here are my hands. Help me to handle only what honors you. Lord, here are my eyes. Help me behold only what honors you. See, there's a difference. You know, I go to the gym and and I have to remind myself over and over again, I can't help what I see, but I can help what I behold. You see the difference? you're You're in the world. You cannot help what you see but you can help what you behold. Usually that looks, that's a second glance. That's finding ways to get more of what you're seeing. Lord, here are my eyes. Help me behold only what you want me to behold. Lord, here is my tongue. Help me to say only what you want me to say. Here are my feet. Help me to go only where you want me to go. You see, it's easy for us to say, I love the Lord with all my heart. It's a sentiment, warm, fuzzy. The question is, will you love the Lord your God with your hands, with your eyes, with your mouth, with your ears? Lord, here's my heart. Help me long for only the things that you want me to long for. Lord, here's my mind. Help me to dwell upon only what you want me to dwell upon. It's easy to say, Lord, I love you with all my heart, but is it the cry of your heart? Lord, here is my body. I present myself my whole self to you for your glory and for others' good. Let the members of my body be weapons for righteousness. We turn our attention now to communion and I invite you to examine your heart because Paul says to examine your heart. He says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This morning we're gonna do something a little bit different. 
We're going to remain seated. It's a time for you to reflect. The worship team is going to come. They're going to sing Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. Your chains are gone. I'm going to give you an opportunity to reflect. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, all right, Lord, Pastor Brian just preached from your word, the inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word of God. How do you want me to respond? We're going to give you some time to sit and reflect. We're going to sing. We're going to observe communion. And then I'm going to invite you to action. I'm going to invite you to engage your legs and your feet. To walk yourself down to this stage where there are sheets of paper and pens. It's an invitation, not a command. For you to come and write to call it out, what are you holding on to right now? That the Lord would say to you, present decisive action today, choose this day whom you will serve. Decisive action, present yourselves to God. What is that thing that you are holding on to? Sometimes I think that we can have all the best intention sitting in our seats. But something happens when we stand up and we walk forward and we write. Because now we're accountable to God. And now it's going to make a difference in our lives. Amen. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that we are no longer under the law, but we are now under grace. The grace that supplies the strength that we need to accomplish what you want us to do. But Lord, we have a choice. And I pray today, Lord, that we would choose to present ourselves to you. We would make a definitive, complete action to present ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching online. I hope that this message has inspired you to greater faith, has encouraged you, maybe convicted or challenged you. We're grateful to be able to provide this content to you online, live and on demand. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube so that we can get this content right to you as soon as we upload it. But you know, we believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you need the body of Christ. You need the local church. And so if you're in the Quad Cities, let me invite you to personally join us in person for our gatherings on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. If you're not in the Quad Cities, I want to encourage you to go find a local church that teaches the Bible, that serves the community, that loves Jesus, that gives grace. Well, hey, thanks again for watching, and we hope that you were blessed.